Hello and welcome to Explorify Canada podcast. Join us as we sit with other Canadians at the roundtable. To discuss and sometimes argue about financial independence in Canada. Welcome everybody to Explorify Canada. You're listening to a personal finance podcast by Canadians for Canadians. My name's Ryan. I'm from Kitchener, Ontario. And joining me as always is Chrissy. Say hi. Hi, this is Chrissy from Vancouver. And on the other side of the round table, back from the Matrix, is the Money Mechanic. Say hello. Hey, it's good to be back. Thanks, Ryan. And we have a fourth chair at the round table today. It is Mr. Prairie Fire from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Say hello. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk today. Yeah, we're really excited to talk to you. You're our first guest from the Prairies. All right, cool. How flat is it there? <laughs> Let's not get started now. Let's focus on five, baby. <laughs> Whatever. This is in your podcast. All right. <laughs> but first things first, before we get to you, uh, Fred, we're going to first check in with the money mechanic because he has been gone forever. And I think everyone thought he just deserted us for his original podcast. Are the rumors true? No, there's there's really no truth in that at all. Uh, I have been uh, unfortunately busy with my day job, and I was also fortunate enough to go to Camp Mustache, so I'll update on that uh, through the FI Garage. But uh, yeah, it's you know how what it is, right? Sometimes life just gets busy, and uh, I've missed being here because I really enjoy these roundtable discussions. We even had a beer together. You made me have a beer. I haven't had one since 2018. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was quite the experience. Awesome. All right. Well, um, Chrissy, why don't you lead us in with the first question for Fred? I'm going to put you on the spot. (laughs) Sure. So, hi, Fred. It's nice to chat with you finally. We've been conversing online a little bit back and forth because you're a fellow blogger, which is really cool. There there aren't enough Canadian five bloggers, so I'm glad you're in the space. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So our first question for you is, can you tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, and uh, where you are in your FI journey? Well, um, I am located in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I am a father of three now. Got a newborn, or not newborn, I guess four months old now. And uh, been living in Saskatoon for the past, I'd say, 20 years. And my, my journey sort of just started about a couple of years ago when sort of went through like a financial hardship. I call it like the trifecta of different issues that came up. And out of that, I just discovered financial independence and discovered different blogs. Like you said, there's not many Canadian blogs, but um, I think, you know, Million Dollar Journey. Um, Chrissy, we both know, know him and sort of discovered him and sort of fell down the rabbit hole of financial independence, fire, personal finance, it's been uh, it's been quite a ride. Million Dollar Journey is actually one of the best Canadian blogs out there for personal finance. In case none of our listeners know, mm-hmm. very detailed, very technical, but approachable. I, mm-hmm. I love his content. So tell us more about this trifecta that you're talking about. <laughs> uh, in in a in a nutshell, what happens uh, to start you on this FI journey? Sure. Um, so. We had moved into our dream home, I want to say the uh, June of 2016. Um, it was a bi-level. We found it. We fixed it up a little bit. I just needed a little bit, a little bit of paint, and we were very happy. I had two kids at a time. I uh, had a three-month-old at the time. And then all of a sudden, water started slowly dripping through the uh, light switch. 
in our top bathroom. And I'm like, hmm, that's strange. And then all of a sudden we started hearing ice falling in the middle of February in our attic. Uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden water, brown water started coming in from all different places. And uh, let's just say we uh, didn't handle it that well. Uh, we had a little bit of a freak out and we discovered that we didn't have proper uh, ventilation in our attic. And so what was happening is there was just pools of water everywhere. We had to basically wait till the spring to open up our roof, get it replaced. And we were $15,000 in the hole, right? And no one usually has that much money on hand, especially if you're not familiar with being fly. Uh, so the second hurdle we discovered is that at my work, um, we were going through a restructure and I was about to lose 9% of my income. So that would happen pretty much two months after we had dealt with the roof issue. Had a financial plan to repay, but when you also have a 9% pay cut, that sort of puts a crimp in my style. And then uh, finally, uh, I own a couple of rental properties and we had a really hard rain here. And like you said, it's kind of flat. So water doesn't necessarily you know, go away very quickly from the house. And we discovered we had some seepage in the basement and we had some stuff floating and so I had to deal with that. So that all happened in a matter of six months. Um, super stressful. Started, um, you know, couldn't sleep. Um, a variety of things. Probably had a bit about a depression. Uh, and then I just started, you know, middle of the night, couldn't sleep. Started Googling finance, budgeting, and then stumbled into the wild and wonderful world of financial independence and the subculture of personal finance that where people talk about crazy ideas like 50% savings rate um, and a variety of things. So it's it, that was the trifecta. And then I just got hooked. I loved the community. I loved the blogs, the podcasts, the Facebook groups. I couldn't get enough. I was getting answers to questions that no one else could actually address. And I just had a huge sense of relief. And it was, it was, it was a, I would say a turning point. You can definitely point in your life where you say before and after, those are definitely that was definitely a before and after point for me in my life. I really enjoyed the article you wrote uh, about being desperate for community, and mm -hmm. it sounds like your story is very similar to to mine as well. Is is finding that FI community where everybody really is open with their money and and helpful and wants to share ideas and tips and tricks, and it's such a relief, right? It, it feels so good to be a part of it. Well, it's huge. And, and when I did a little bit of research for that post, um, I really wanted to highlight the fact that people are are just isolated, right? Like we're more connected than we ever have before, but we have no one to sort of talk to. And I looked into some stats um, and discovered that over 50% of people are stressed about their finance and they have no one to talk to, including their partner, Right. And yep. so I'm trying to imagine what it's like to go through, like we've, we've been very lucky in our lives and just hitting that, that major road bump sort of sparked me into sort of action. But I'm trying to imagine if people lose their jobs or are struggling and have no one to talk to that I just want, like one of the inspirations for the blog is to encourage people to connect with community and to realize they're not alone to share that story and basically you know, get get the same thing I got out of it. And hopefully, you know, one or two people will be like, yeah, I, I discovered Shoes FI Canada and, and now I love it. Or I'm here listening to Explorify and I'm loving the conversation that's on there and, and discovering different bloggers just so people feel less alone. 
Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And the nice thing too is that it really doesn't matter where you are on your journey, whether you found out about it yesterday or you've been part of it for the last two years or five years. It's there's always something new and there's there's always new people that want to learn. So it's just it's really fun and to be passionate and be part of the community. I, I like a lot of your articles you write with that kind of holistic view. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's you know it's personal finance is you know to be cliche personal. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a much deeper aspect of finance that people just don't take the time to notice because we're just so busy and that uh, there's a lot of reflection of life within the numbers of your budget and also how the world runs like people don't realize what money is or what a bank account is until they have to know right so yeah for sure can you tell us a little bit about your blog we i don't think we've mentioned the name of it yet uh I, we will eventually delve into a, a bigger topic that we'd like to speak to you about, which is real estate. But how about mm-hmm. give us a quick intro on your blog, why you started it, and what the goal for your blog is. Sure. My blog is uh, prairiefirecanada.ca. Uh, and it's, it's, it acts sort of like as, as three things. First, it, it allows me to sort of put my ideas out there because when you're passionate about something – I just, for me, I need an outlet. So the blog is a great way for me to write about things that are on my mind and sort of put it out there rather than keeping it inside. Um, Like I said before, one of the major motivations is hopefully to connect with people. And also, it's also something to remind myself of why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm I'm sort of budgeting, because I hate budgeting with a passion, and why I'm doing the rental rental real estate sort of path to get towards financial independence. Um, and so it sort of came out of a need to, exp- to sort of, I guess, express myself, connect with community and hopefully do some good for other people. And so when I did start the blog, I found out that people around me who were friends and family were just so hungry to get more information, but also desperate to have a conversation about, about, finance, about money, about budgeting, about how to approach these very tough topics that can be intimidating. And um, it's really interesting to do like an online sort of blog, but to have real life conversations with people. Because I always encourage in the blog for people to get offline and start having a conversation or to get offline and have a conversation one-on-one with the people in their community to take away sort of the stigma of, you know, the taboo of talking about money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's been great for me, just being able to go to the meetups, the live meetups where we can get together and talk endlessly about FI and not have to worry that we're boring someone and, you know, talking their Mm -hmm. ear off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or just making people uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, how can you have a financial conversation with someone who doesn't have a budget or won't acknowledge that they are in some sort of financial hardship. It's an awkward conversation. <laughs> That's what it is. So you don't have it, right? And then obviously when everybody's silent and no one wants to say anything, everyone's just worse, right? If there's no community, there's no uh, progress, mm-hmm. plain and simple. Okay, well, I want to dive right into the real estate. So Fred, your house somehow in the middle of Saskatchewan got hit by a tidal wave it seems <laughs> <laughs> right you went through yeah, let's go with that. most homeowners <laughs> would describe as a horrible life-changing event that would end their interest in home ownership and instead <laughs> you decided to buy rentals and just double triple down on that 
risk. So talk us through the mindset that you had when you wanted to get into real estate. And I'll also just add on to this question that I think a lot of our listeners are thinking about investing in real estate. And not that they want to know where to begin, but what kind of mindset should they develop? What did you have? That's a really good question. Um, so there's there's a bit of background to this. So I have a bit of advantage over other people because housing has been part of my career. So it's not necessarily something that's come out of left field. Uh, it's also part of my family. My, my I'll start with my with my family. Um, so my mom and dad emigrated to Canada when I was five years old, and we moved to a small town, Saskatchewan. And my dad was a physician, and he was able to sort of leverage his position as a physician, but also diversify his portfolio to include real estate. And it's not rocket science. Lots of people do it, but it's just that some people find it intimidating. So me witnessing my father do real estate and my mom as well, and they did it as a team, was, wasn't totally out of, out of character. And, but the funny thing is they never really passed on that to myself they rather just saw it as, some, as another business that they ran. And they never said, oh, you need to get into real estate or whatnot. Um, so this didn't really come into fruition until soon after I graduated university. Um, I'm going to date myself a little bit in 2002. And it was sort of owning real estate with my dad in the sense like, well, you're, you know, you're going to have to buy a home. So we're going to help you out, but you're also going to manage real estate property and we're going to own this together and we're going to share into profits and share into costs and, and sort of, and so that was sort of maybe him introducing me into real estate. And so I was able to learn a lot from that. Uh, but also I did a lot of work with a nonprofit organization to do affordable housing. So I oversaw uh, property management for, for nonprofit housing in in the city of Saskatoon where I was, where I was living and so I've always been part of it, and it's always been part of my career, and I've been a housing policy analyst with for the provincial government and, and into finance and stuff. So I, I would say that if you want a certain type of mentality, you do have to understand that it is a business. It's nothing personal, and that it's really about, one, providing a home, serving a customer, and treating it like a business that so you take care of a very important asset because when you're with uh, when you have a renter, you know, say they're paying $1,000 a month, you have a $12,000 a year contract with them. So you got to make sure that property is up to date and you treat it professionally. And worse come to worse, you get someone else to manage it if you can't handle the, the ins and outs of the, of the relationship. If you're not a people person, that comes at a cost. But I think overall, looking at it as a business, crunching the numbers, and realizing that you know it's it, you're treating it like a small business. Every single rental property is like a mini business for yourself. Okay, Fred. So you said at the top of the podcast that you have three kids and a full time job. So how hands off are your rentals? Because I imagine you don't have a lot of time kicking around. Yeah, time is always a thing that's slipping through your fingers when you when you got a young family. Um, so one of the things I did at the beginning of our marriage between. Um, my wife, Mrs. Prairie Fire, and I was just, we we made time for the rental specifically because we treated it like a business. And she was involved as well, so it always helps to have a partner in it. Um, but another thing that we did is that we just were able to select good tenants. 
And the properties we had were relatively well maintained when we bought them. We're always dealing with those type of issues. So it's always good to have a good handyman, a plumber, electrician, um, and also a contractor to to add to your team. You got to take it as a team and not as an individual. That really helps uh, in regards to coordination. I love the coordination part. I am not handy. I couldn't fix anything to save my life. So, uh, but <laughs> as our family grew and our time, <laughs> uh, as our family grew and we and time became less and less available, um, we only we, we only own two uh, two properties. So one is currently being managed through a through a property management company, and we've been with them since uh, I guess February. 2018 and they've been great um and it's been on on a trial basis while we manage another property where we have a fantastic tenant she knows more about the property than i do so it's super easy to manage like she'll tell me when a faucet is leaking and then i will get it fixed within 24 hours and she knows if she tells me something to get fixed i make sure i respond within probably an hour or two and i get someone there within 24 hours to to deal with the issue so you have two units, is that correct? Well, I have four units uh, and two properties, so two units in each property. Okay. And do you also have a rental suite in your primary residence, or is it just these separate ones? Uh, just the separate ones. We uh, rent out one of our rooms to an international student, and we host we host international students at our, at our primary house. Christy, you've heard a thing or two about homestays, right? <laughs> I have, but I, I don't know if now's the time to talk about it because we're on this real estate subject. Well, we can, through the power of editing, put this later. So, giddy up, let's go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I. Well, you seg- segued into it, so you may as well just do it okay. now. <laughs> so, Fred, I am really curious about your experience with homestay students because. I also host students and I don't know of many people who do. And I, I think it's a fantastic house hack. House, it's also a side hustle hybrid. I, I, I think it's a business as well as you know, using your, your house to, to earn income. So why do you do it and do you like it? How, how is it going for you guys? It's gone really well. Um, I was a hundred percent against it, <laughs> okay. But my wife convinced me to do to think otherwise, um, and this is actually her genius to compensate for that um, pay cut that we received. We had to think differently. Uh, so before, if she had mentioned it and we were living comfortably, I'd be like, "We don't need to do it." Um, but she she said she would take care of it. She's very entrepreneurial as well. And uh, yeah, I love her for it because we have a, a student from Columbia. She's super smart, speaks great English. The kids love her. They call her auntie. Aww. And uh, it's been great. And she babysits for us. And we, we also try and make sure she gets a, a Canadian experience. And so it's, yeah, and I think the official name is uh, uh, Canada Homestay. Oh, I, I work with a company called Canada Homestay. I don't know if it's the same company. But. Might be a different company, but mm-hmm. they, they're the ones that are responsible for finding and vetting and getting um, you know young kids in high school to come and have a different experience and, and come live with a Canadian family. And um, I would always I would suggest everybody do it, especially if they have too much home <laughs> and they have empty places. You, you're, you're basically paying for that, but you're not using it. And 
from a investor's mindset, which, you know, which is, you know, most people who are FI have that perspective. It's just, you're throwing money out the, out the window. And yeah. so it's, it's great. They, we got to pay for her, you know, we make sure she has a nice room. We're lucky enough that in our home, she has her own bathroom that she can use. Um, and then also with the, you know, groceries, transportation, we take her with us to go to visit family during Christmas. Um, we took her to Banff one year. She's been with us. This is going to be three years, uh, her third time coming in, in September. Wow. And yeah, like we've been doing it for three years. We've had the same student and she loves us and we love her. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been so good and I'm so glad my wife pushed me into it. And, uh, yeah, it's, she's, she's been great. So I have nothing but good things to say. And, um, we get compensated 800 bucks a month and she barely eats into that. Mm -hmm. in regards to You know, she doesn't, she doesn't even, I'd say she costs maybe us 200 bucks a month. I'd have to agree with that. I mean, we are paid the same, a similar amount. I think you're paid a little bit more because she's a high school student. We normally mm-hmm. host adult students and we're paid, mm, the high end is 750 per month. It's between 700 and 750 for, for 28 days, basically. And it they hardly cost anything because you can buy food in bulk and they're, the expense for heating the room and the internet and everything that you can write off, it, it helps to offset a lot of that. So... I think it's a wonderful way to use your house to earn some income. You'd think the negative 30, you know, winters of Saskatchewan would be enough Canadian experience for her that she would not come back. So <laughs> clearly you have like excellent Google reviews or something, Fred. Back. <laughs> Our Yelp review. Is <laughs> yeah. TripAdvisor, right? <laughs> well, she keeps coming. She keeps coming back. So. We'll take that as a good sign. <laughs> it is, for sure. I've never had a student that long-term. Ours don't stay for years and years. Clearly, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want to jump back into the real estate a little bit and get a little more technical. I've been thinking about it here. And, you know, I don't know much, or, well, let's be honest, I don't know anything about Saskatoon, but I do know what I read in the papers, well, what I believe it of anyway. And, you know, the average house price there, I've just managed to pull up an article here from Global, and it was um, 330 in 2018. Mm-hmm. Now, just curious, as far as when you do your sort of your financial analysis before you buy a rental, because uh, you are looking at adding to your two rentals you already have? Yeah, most definitely. So... What do you go? What kind of numbers are you looking for in that particular area of the country in Saskatoon, with the value of houses there? What kind of cap rates are you looking at? How does it make sense being in Saskatoon, going into real estate instead of other investments? That's a really good question. And so, um, so the housing market has changed significantly over the ten, over the past ten years. Everybody's been feeling that um, for single family homes, but also for say duplexes and whatnot. So to be totally honest, I am not looking at anything in Saskatoon. Okay, interesting. Wow. Specifically, uh, because I the the rent to price ratio is just too high, right? Like in, in regards to prices are just too high compared to how much you can rent them out in a sustainable manner. Um, a lot of people got caught up in the real estate investment, uh, I guess, fervor, and I was one of them. So if you were to look at my rental properties right now, they wouldn't pass the 1% rule sniff test. But I bought these before I got FI, like the, the FI fever, 
right? And so it's because I've been listening to like bigger pockets, afford anything, joining the Choose FI real estate. I've been learning about these different ways of approaching real estate investment other than just buying it, thinking it's a good deal and renting it out. It's really looking at the at the metrics and treating it like a business, like anything else. And so my new perspective going forward and adding units is like, the market here is pretty much saturated. We have to go to other places where it's more reasonably priced. So some places may be rural and some places may be outside of Saskatchewan that have, you know, not exciting real estate investment, but pretty simple meets to sniff test in regards to opportunity with the 1% rule and then just investigating how you can add value, right? So um, one of my strategies that I try and do now is looking at rental properties that are probably poorly managed and then going in and hopefully getting a reasonable price for them and adding value. It could be putting in a washer dryer in a unit instead of having one that's shared, right? And just being able to perhaps redesign the look of a particular house, or it could be buying it the worst property in the nicest neighborhood, right, for a particular area. So there's different ways to do it, and I'm st- I'm still learning, um, but I've also learned from my mistakes too. Yeah, fair enough. That's uh, it's interesting to I definitely don't have enough experience in the real estate area, and I, I'd like to. Unfortunately, living in Victoria, I feel like I'm priced out of the rental market here because obviously the you know I can't make any of the numbers work. So it's interesting to hear you say that in Sask- Saskatoon itself, it's saturated. So yeah, I, I think it's a tough one for a lot of people that live in major centers. You start looking into the smaller towns, and and then of course. From my perspective in British Columbia, a lot of the smaller towns are resource-based, as, as a lot of Canada is, and, and then that mm-hmm. adds to, to your risk factor too. So, yeah, interesting. So you said you add value to the properties. I think that's such a great idea because you're now going to increase your rental value on that property by doing all those improvements. Yeah, and also maybe getting a, uh, um, a better tenant and sort of – and I'm big into demographics and statistics to be able to – do a good market analysis as well and and being able to use like you pick your your market and you pick your you buy your neighborhood you basically that's where you're investing in your neighborhood is pretty much what will drive your rent, right right so you're you're being able to understand which is the good neighborhoods or even buying in the periphery around a neighborhood to to be able to sort of catch that that benefit right and so there's different strategies and the great and once again community has like created this in me this did not come from my own head and i've i because of my interest i've actually encountered two other people who want to invest with me right so it's 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 building that knowledge base by connecting by other people i can't i I don't think i'd be as far along as it wasn't if it wasn't for other people sharing ideas and perhaps and we could lead lead to great partnerships in the future so if if people are thinking about it just connect, talk to people, find a mentor, find someone who invests in real estate and just have a conversation because it's like anything else. You got to learn it and then you got to, you got to do it. Hey, I'm going to float an idea for you because uh, I read through there that your, your passion is one day maybe having a small business with all your experience in community development. You just described your own business to yourself there. 
you can you can be you can be that guy. <laughs> I'll be you the get guy. The, you sure. get you're yeah. the guy that does all that analysis that uh, in all these different communities and sees how they're developing. That's really cool. Yeah, like I think there's so much potential, and and I because of this, I've discovered my entrepreneurial side. I didn't know it was there, right? And so I have been thinking about things like that, but I've also had you know experience in the past helping business start up. But I always I was always working for a nonprofit organization. Like, why don't I just do that for myself? Because lots of small businesses are, are need help needing help, mm-hmm. right? And my advantage could be connecting them with the community for them to not feel alone. Yeah, for sure. I'm calling it right here and now. I think Fred is going to be the one to bring Mr. Money Mustache headquarters north. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not tra- I'm not traveling to Saskatoon for the uh, co-work space. <laughs> it's sure as hell is not going to be in Saskatchewan. Sorry to everyone. Come there, to Sa- you know what? I'm going to I'm going to push back against you. Come to Saskatoon in the summer. You will love it. Can I stay you in the hotel, it. Fred, or what? You can. We got we got room or stu- our student isn't here. We only charge eight hundred bucks a month. Come on, down, brother. I am always open for a road road trip to a new province to sample the new local microbreweries. Always. Yeah, we got lots of microbreweries here too. Really? We got a. We got like. We have uh, just a. I probably had thirty or thirty four that have sprung up in the past like three or four. Crazy. Years. Yeah. Same everywhere. It's fantastic. Yeah. and it's it's delicious. It's so good. Oh. All right. Before we get too thirsty, moving on. Um, I want to know how you're listening to uh, bigger pockets and afford anything and how you can actually translate that to the Canadian real estate scene. You know, that's, that's a good question. They do get a bit technical, um, but there are some principles that are pretty much international, especially on the metric side, like the analysis, for example, the 1% rule, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a hard rule to stick to in Canada. But that's just because, because housing prices are so high, right? Exactly. Like I, I feel like the 1% rule is is crazy. If you buy a million-dollar property in Toronto, you're telling me you're going to get $10,000 in rent for it? That's nuts. Just th- That tells you you shouldn't buy in Toronto. That's pretty much like... <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's keep it 100. Toronto is just not a good place to buy. People are buying to speculate, right? They're riding the appreciation wave, not necessarily... The the finance just doesn't make sense on paper. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and mm-hmm. so you don't want to invest in markets like that, and that's why the one percent rule is nice because it tells you that that market is is pretty much saturated, right? And you need to go to opportunities where there's more more uh, flexibility on price, and that rents make sense and price makes sense because it is tied to people's income, right? You can only put rent so high for people to afford it. And so with bigger pockets and afford anything, there are some universal principles of investing that you can apply to any market. It's just that each market is local and unique. So wherever, even if you did a podcast in Canada, the Canadian real estate market is not universal. And so being able to understand some basics, um, like I really appreciate afford anything because she actually talked about her rental numbers, how much it costs for utilities, how much it costs for insurance, what type of insurance she has, um, what is why you need to have a good team, right? Most people tackle their rentals on their own, but it's good to have a real estate agent. It's good to have a contractor, like I said before. And so that has sort of, I've, I've listened to it so many times now. I, that's why I got a property manager 
that's why I have like six or seven, you know, different vendors that service me because that's the best way to maintain your asset, serve your tenant, and you need to make that profitable. So you need to be able to be involved, right? Is there a Canadian resource that you can cite that is 100% everything real estate in Canada that you'd recommend? Is there any from like an FI mindset kind of thing? Like is there that bigger pockets or afford anything in Canada, whether blog or podcast or YouTube? I wouldn't say there's an equivalent. Like if I was to really narrow it down, they, they all talk about financial independence, but they don't really talk about the principles of like the financial independence culture. Right. Mm. And so like, I have to put a bit of a caveat. I now listen to blogs to learn, not to be entertained. So there's some podcasts out there, real estate podcasts, not the best produced, but they still have nuggets of like wisdom and, but they're just not, they're not top tier, like bigger pockets or afford anything. Um, so the one that I sort of listen to is called the truth about real estate investing. I was going to mention that one. It's, it's excellent. Yeah. And they're good. I'm just scrolling through my stuff here. So there's another one, another uh, podcast that I listen to for real estate investing is Breakthrough Real Estate Investment Podcast for Canadians. And so if you do a search like Canadian podcast real estate, you'll find lots. It's just trying to discern what what is providing the most value for you and what you need to learn. Yeah, but that's like Googling financial independence <laughs> and then seeing what comes up, right? You know, it's just there's so much information out there and a lot of it is intertwined with uh, some of the more lackluster personal finance stuff that you'll find in mainstream media. And I'm sure real estate is completely just covered with information from people who have never even heard of the 1% rule, right? Mm-hmm. So we kind of want to, what I'm doing is fishing for answers for our audience where they can just skip all the bullshit that is the 50 or so pages of Google. And well, I guess it's more like a million and actually find the stuff that is credible. Yeah, and from a, I'm, from my experience, the Canadian landscape for that is is still being developed. To be totally honest, it's not as developed as the as the United States. I do have to say the podcast you mentioned, Truth About Real Estate Investing for Canadians, they do feature guests who focus on financial freedom. It's not FI, but a lot of them treat their real estate investing as their day job, or it was what they used to transition out of their day jobs and into a life where they had a lot of time freedom. They barely spend any time on it. So it's similar to FI. It's not exactly the same, but you can take a lot of the principles that they talk about on that show. Just to segue into another question here, I was thinking about in your blog, you talk about your fine number um, and you talk about a total portfolio value, but you don't include in there your income generated from rentals. Uh, Am I missing a post where you've updated that and you're going to have your passive income included in your total FI number or just a quick question about that? Where's your direction? Yeah, I think when I was first writing that post, I was being perhaps too conservative in the sense of having the portfolio to sort of serve our needs and have the rental property sort of as a legacy legacy sort of aspect to pass on to my kids. Because um, one of the things that I want to do is sort of have those properties pay for my kids' education and also for them to perhaps take over sort of like passing on that business. So, I was sort of hypothetically thinking in the future when I am wanting to retire, 
perhaps that income is going to be drawn up to pay for tuition and to pay for my kids sort of life when they're going to university. And so I wasn't necessarily including that and I was wanting my portfolio. And so taking the money that we are making now to build up that portfolio, that's more investments in, in equities and bonds to sort of live off of and sort of the rentals would be like this backstop and, you know, worst case scenario, the economy goes sideways and your sequence and returns go down the toilet. So that's sort of where I was coming from. And I'm still sort of learning of what, how to include uh, rentals. Do you use the cap rate sort of as your return and only take 4% of it type of situation? Right. Yeah. It gets pretty complicated, doesn't it? But it sounds like you've got a really good diversified strategy. So yeah, best of luck going mm-hmm. forward. Thank you. So I will be the devil's advocate here. <laughs> I, I do not invest in real estate. I Before I started the Smith Maneuver, I was wanting to diversify our investments. And so I looked into real estate and I even went to a, a RAIN meeting, which is R-E-I-N, the Real Estate mm-hmm. Investment Network. And it's so enticing. It sounds amazing. But my brother-in-law and I, who he's an engineer, we sat down, we did the math, we we analyzed a whole bunch of properties and we could not make even just some really cheap properties in the suburbs. We could not make anything work better than stocks. Like passive index investing is so easy and you earn seven to eight percent without even trying. Whereas when you invest in rental real estate, you're earning four to five percent with a cap rate with maybe three percent appreciation. Like that just kind of equals stock investing. So but you're also not calculating in all the time and effort that you need to put into real estate investing. So why is how is it worthwhile to do real estate investing in Canada with such tight margins? So there, she says. <laughs> <laughs> how do you like them apples? You want to know. No fair that you brought in your engineer brother. That's not <laughs> yeah. He's a smarty pants. <laughs> that was a low blow. <laughs> And you know what? I think you you make a good point, and you actually did some really good due diligence. Um, for the average real estate investor, especially now, the numbers just don't work, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you were to be an average investor to invest in an average market, real estate is possibly more risky than than stocks. If you're going to, especially if you pick bad, and you're not a professional. But I think for me, the diversification of different types of asset classes is important. Um, if you are just doing equities and bonds and that's all you have, there is risk there. But also the housing market, uh, and I couldn't give you exactly like if there's any direct correlation and being able to distribute your money evenly across different markets and also different asset classes. So that's sort of why I like real estate. And also for me, from a, from a business perspective, I like the active part of it, right? Of being able to do that. So it is sort of like a job in itself, but I'm eventually leading to a place where it doesn't have to be a job and I'm more moving more to the passive side. And, the, and just a consistency, right? There's less volatility with that particular asset. Therefore, you're not expecting as high returns with a more stable asset. From my perspective. Would you agree that you can reach five sooner with real estate? I think Paula Pant talks about this because it throws off income right from the start 
I mean, as long as you've done your math correctly. So Mm -hmm. you could potentially reach phi earlier because you don't have to wait for that portfolio to build up. You're, you're able to take off the profits to live on. Yes. You, and yeah, there's, and and if you do it right, there's also additional tax benefits and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. there is, there is benefits. and, And I think you did the right thing to, to analyze the comparison, but, but also I think for, for the from investment mindset is that diversity mm-hmm. within your portfolio. Does that, that make sense? sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. After you explain it that way, I, I can see the massive benefits of the diversification and possible tax benefits. And also just having that, this tangible asset that you can touch and see and feel right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's exciting to be able to roll up your sleeves and walk into the investment you purchased. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and if, especially if you have an eye for that, for that kind of market and the uh, the know-how and the DIY behind you. I mean, that's really exciting. There's nothing exciting about index investing. It's boring <laughs> as holy hell. Yep. If you're doing it right, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, say that to my index ETF of medical marijuana stocks. <laughs> you have them too? <laughs> Got my Bitcoins and one half of my portfolio and marijuana in the other half. Oh, we need to talk. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to uh, narrow in on Saskatoon and see if there's any specific tips there that Fred has and then uh, round off with our signature questions, if that sounds good to you guys. So first of all, I'm I'm totally biased. I love Saskatoon. I love the people. Um, They're very progressive, very socially minded, contrary to what people say about us uh, backwoods prairie folk. And the one great thing is it is much more affordable to live uh, compared to other places. So you got that whole geo arbitrage thing going Um, and it's, it gets better. We're just getting better over time. We're getting more diverse. The culture is getting more diverse. The food is getting delicious and the beer is getting delicious. And so if people are wanting a sim, like an urban lifestyle, but still a small town feel, it's it's ideal. There's no other place I want to be. Trust me, I'd, I'd love to travel and, and be other places, but Saskatoon is is my home and I love it and hope to be here for a very long time. I've actually heard great things about Saskatchewan, especially with the geographic arbitrage you just mentioned. I think that the province of Saskatchewan has in the past like helped people move to their province, uh, particularly physicians and other uh, certain jobs they needed, if I'm not mistaken. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there's a ton of incentive programs, especially if you're a professional at the higher end. Um, if you're a professional and a higher end and living in Saskatoon, you will reach FI very quickly. So you got to tell us about the downsides. <laughs> there's got to be something. <laughs> <laughs> the downsides? Winter? How long is winter? 11 months? <laughs> okay, that's, that, that, is a, that is a legit complaint because come February... You will lose your mind, and that's where community saves your life. Okay. Uh, because last last February it was below minus twenty five for twenty for all of pretty much twenty five days out of twenty eight. Oh boy, that was devastating. Yeah, yeah. So that is that is a downside. But our summers are amazing, real summers. None of that fake <laughs> Like Vancouver. Yeah. Keep, keep in mind, only 50% of the people on this podcast have to shovel snow. That's right. It was 28 degrees in Victoria today. It sure Bill- felt like summer. 
Yeah, and I'm sure when it's February, they say, oh boy, it was 12 degrees today in Victoria. It sure felt like summer. <laughs> but snow shoveling builds character. Okay, on, okay, Mr. Money Mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Mind over motor. Or was it muscle over motor? That's what he says. Muscle, yeah. All right, well, I think we should go right into our signature questions. Who is first? So my question is always Team Fi or Team Fire? Ooh. <laughs> You asked, that's a tough one. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna keep it 100. Even though I'm Mr. Prairie Fire, I am, I'm Team Fi. Ugh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, hey, you didn't let me finish. You didn't let me finish. You don't have to. Here. <laughs> this interview's over. <laughs> All right, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm Team Fi because I, I constantly want to work, but I don't want to work for money, right? So if I'm if I'm financially independent and I'm making money, I'm probably going to give a good percentage of that away, right? So it's not necessarily going to be my money per se. Uh, so that's, that's you know, that's and great. technically people would would call me out if I was retired early and working and, and giving away my money. That's it's not true fire. So I'm team fire. All right, I can respect it. <laughs> Fred did admit earlier in the episode that he is not a handy person, and that's fine. I respect that. He's probably, I don't know, good with numbers. So uh, my question always revolves around... <laughs> my question does revolve around some form of do-it-yourself that, you, uh, that you've learned or YouTubed, which is the popular way for all of us to do it, uh, you know, with your cars or obviously you've got rentals or your own house. Because getting to FI does involve taking on some of that responsibility yourself, is there anything that you can do as a DIY mm-hmm. handyman? Actually, I'm getting better over time. That's an, I, I admire Mr. Money Mustache and his writings, and that sort of inspired me to, to do my thing. So my I can do plumbing. Nice. Very basic, very, very basic. Change out a faucet. You know, nothing exciting there. Uh, electrical doesn't scare me. And I just built two platforms to set up for some rain barrels, uh, which took way longer than I would like. But I'm pretty. I'm, I'm. I'm brushing my shoulders off. I'm feeling proud about myself for for getting that done. Ah, oh, good for you. Sounds like you're getting involved and in, and in learning new projects. So yeah, excellent. Good to hear. Mm-hmm. Well, we are in the business of recording a Canadian podcast, so the most important question of the day is: What is your order from Tim Hortons? Well, I'm a coffee snob. That's a tough one. <laughs> um, we don't. I know we don't go it, to Tim Hortons to enjoy the coffee. We go there because <laughs> we need the coffee. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, go, go, go. What do you order? What do you order? So I will order probably uh, a double-double to go. And? Oh, and? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll get some Timbits for the people at work. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Fred. This has been awesome. I hope you've had a blast recording here with us. This has been super fun. Um, I, You guys are doing great work, and thank you for having me on. Thanks a lot, Fred. I think there's a lot more to cover here, so uh, we'll look forward to doing a, a second episode with you at some point in the future. Sure, I would love to. And uh, if you want, please take the floor and plug your own content and your own uh, handles and whatnot where people can find you and connect with you. Cool. If you want to find me and my writing, you can go to prairiefirecanada.ca. Um, That's where I sort of lay out my thoughts. Um, I'm most active on Twitter. Uh, You can find me at prairiefire underscore CA. 
And I also have a Facebook page under Prairie Fire Canada. Um, I post uh, all my stuff on there and also share other great blogs and resources as well. And uh, yeah, hey, feel free to reach out to me. I love talking about this stuff and connecting with people. Well, that's awesome. Next time I'm uh, driving through Saskatchewan, I'll give you a ring and you can we can high five each other from the highway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. There's you'll always have a place to stay in Saskatoon. Well, thank you for coming on, Fred. It was really fun for all of us. And we hope you continue to blog. Uh, we would love to read more from you. You have great content on your on your site. Thank you, Chrissy. Thanks for listening. You can find all our show notes at explorifycanada.ca. Do you like what you're hearing? Help us grow by sharing the show with friends and family. Please subscribe and leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast directory. You can also find us at our own blogs, figarage.ca, canadianfire.ca, or eatsleepbreathefy.com. Our music today was provided by Purple Planet. We'll be back with another episode soon. We'll talk then.